This is Vedic Mythology, Music and Mantras, presented by Pujanet, P-U-J-A dot N-E-T. This week, Vamana, the dwarf incarnation of Vishnu. After a break, during which I spent two and a half weeks in Kanchipuram, South India, for Navaratri, I'm back again with our netcast on Hindu mythology. And I have to say that my time in India was wonderful, the country was as charming and friendly as ever, and the sense of history and the tradition of success in spiritual pursuits is so clearly present. It's a great inspiration. If you'd like to see photos of the 10-day Navaratri Yagya that we performed, as well as a few touristy photos, just go to www.puja.net, and the link is right there on the bottom of the opening page. While I was in Kanchipuram, around the corner from my hotel was a small but rather ancient temple devoted to the fifth incarnation of Vishnu as Vamana, or the dwarf, which is the first human form that Vishnu took, the first being Matsya, fish, and then Kurma, turtle, Varaha, boar, followed by Narasimha, the man-lion. And anyway, when you get to the temple sanctum, you first see a very nice brass murti, and the priest starts to do a short puja called arti. And then he walks behind the small murti, and with his lamp you suddenly see a 12-foot-tall by about 6-foot-wide black granite bas-relief image of Vishnu as Vamana the dwarf taking one of his three steps to cover the three worlds in three paces. His other foot was pressing down on the head of Bali, the demon whom Vishnu had just tricked rather handily. The moment was surprising and dramatic and wonderful all at once to see this huge Vishnu emerge out of the darkness of the inner sanctum. And it's a good story, so I thought I'd restart the netcast series with the story of Vishnu in the form of a dwarf and Bali the demon. The story starts, as they usually do, with a demon, Bali, who by virtue of his long meditations and ascetic practices gained huge spiritual power under the guidance of Shukracharya, the subject of several recent netcasts, grew to the demons. Bali, although a demon, had a rather distinguished heritage because his grandfather was Pralada, a great devotee of Vishnu, whose father, Haranyakashipu, was killed by Narasimha, Vishnu's previous incarnation. So Bali had very strong spiritual values, and he pleased the descendants of Bhrigu, one of the sons of Brahma the Creator, by using them to perform many yagyas. As a result, Bali became so powerful that the devas began to get a little worried, and they went to Jupiter, or Brihaspati, the guru to the gods, who said that only Vishnu was going to be powerful enough to defeat Bali. So he recommended that the gods go hide someplace until the danger passed, which of course they did. But that was particularly distressing to Aditi, who is the mother of the gods and wife to the Rishi Kashyapa. Her husband came home one day and asked why she was in such a state of distress, and she explained how all her sons were hiding and asked what she could do to help them. Well, he, as might be expected of a Rishi, said, there's no problem in life that cannot be solved by meditation and devotion. And off she went and devoted herself to that with single-minded dedication. 
Soon Vishnu appeared before her and said that he would agree to help her by being born to her as a son. And at that time, Aditi's husband, Kashipa, was sitting in meditation nearby, and he felt a portion of Vishnu enter him, and then Kashipa caused that essence to enter Aditi's womb. And from there was immediately born a child. And as it says in the text, his four hands were holding a conch shell, a club, lotus, and a discus. He was dressed in yellow garments, and his eyes appeared like the petals of a blooming lotus. Of course, this event attracted a lot of attention, and the gods rushed to see this new child called Vamana Deva. At the sacred thread ceremony, the sun god personally uttered the Gayatri mantra. Jupiter offered the sacred thread, and Kashyapa gave him a straw belt. Mother Earth gave him a deer skin, and the moon, who was the king of the forest, gave him a brahmadanda the staff of a brahmachari. His mother, Aditi, gave him cloth to wear, and Indra offered him an umbrella. Lord Brahma gave him a water pot, and the seven rishis offered him kusa grass. Saraswati gave him a string of rudraksha beads. Interesting that it's Vishnu who's wearing rudraksha, since rudraksha is associated with Shiva. And Kubera, the lord of wealth, gave him a pot for begging alms, Parvati, the wife of Shiva and mother of the universe, gave him his first alms. And having been welcomed by everyone, Vamana Deva shone with great effulgence and surpassed in beauty that entire assembly. Well, Bali and his priests, the descendants of Bhrigu, were engaged in performing yagyas on the banks of the Narmada River when Vamana Deva appears on the scene. And immediately all the priests start wondering who was this very short person but who had this personal effulgence just glowing like that of the sun. And the priests start arguing among themselves about who it is. But Bali, who didn't know who it was, immediately offers him a seat of honor and asks what he might do for him. And Bali was really quite respectful and gracious in contrast, for example, to Ravana, another demon who's always full of ego and causing trouble for everyone. But Bali complimented Vamanadeva, who responded by pointing out that as the grandson of the great devotee Prahlada, Bali was already blessed. Interestingly, Vamanadeva then goes on to speak highly of other members of the demon dynasty, all of whom had been foes of Vishnu. One of them, Hiranyakashipu, uh, who would be uh, Bali's great-grandfather, Prahlada's demon father, uh, and he had caused Narasimha great concern because of his strength. So Vishnu had to find a place to hide. And as the story goes, he chose a brilliant place, some place where Hiranyakashipu would never think to look in his heart. And in the original text, Vishnu says, Wheresoever I go, Hiranyakashipu will follow me, as death follows all living entities. Therefore, it's better for me to hide in the core of his heart, for then, because of his power to see only externally, he will not see me. So the demons can look only outward, through the senses, and see only the manifest universe, while the gods have the opposite tendency. They can see within and perceive the inner reality of unbounded Brahman, and humans, in my opinion, seem to have a choice of which tendency predominates. So Vamanadeva asked of Bali, O oh my dear king, 
even the entirety of whatever there may be within the three worlds to satisfy one's senses cannot satisfy a person whose senses are uncontrolled. Material existence causes discontent in regard to fulfilling one's lusty desires and achieving more and more money. This is the cause for the continuation of material life, which is full of repeated birth and death. But one who is satisfied by that which is attained by destiny is fit for liberation from this material existence. A Brahmin who is satisfied with whatever is providentially obtained is increasingly enlightened with spiritual power, but the spiritual potency of a dissatisfied Brahmin decreases as fire diminishes in potency when water is sprinkled upon it. Therefore, O King, from you, the best of those who give charity, I ask only three paces of land. By such a gift I should be very pleased, for the way of happiness is to be fully satisfied to receive only that which is absolutely needed. Well, this sounds like it may have been fine with Bali. After all, three paces of land to a dwarf couldn't amount to much. But there were others who were not so pleased to see this chain of events unfolding. Shukracharya, the guru to the demons, was greatly alarmed, and he attempted to warn Bali, saying this brahmachari in the form of a dwarf is directly the great god Vishnu. Accepting Kashyapa Muni as his father and Aditi as his mother, he's now appeared in order to fulfill the interests of only the gods. You do not know what a dangerous position you've, you have accepted by promising to give him land. Do not think that this promise will turn out well for you. It will bring great harm to the demons. This person falsely appearing as a brahmachari is actually the supreme person, Hari, who has come in this form to take away all your land, all your wealth, your beauty, your power, your fame, and your education. After taking, it, uh, ta- after taking everything from you, he will deliver it to Indra, king of the gods, your enemy. You've promised to give him three steps of land and charity, but when you give it, he will occupy the three worlds. You, Bali, are a rascal. You do not know what a great mistake you have made. After giving everything to Lord Vishnu, you'll have no means of livelihood. How then shall you live? Vamana Deva will first occupy the three worlds with one step. Then he will take his second step and occupy everything in outer space. And then he will expand his universal body to occupy everything. Where will you offer him the third step? You will certainly be unable to fulfill your promise and because of this inability, your eternal residence will be in hell. So now Shukracharya goes on to explain more circumstances under which one may lie without moral consequence. Now let's remember this is the guru of the demons speaking, and they may reflect his rather unique perspective, but it's interesting to note that the same list appears in the Mahabharata. So according to Shukracharya, it is okay to tell a lie when, and I quote, flattering a woman in order to sport with her, in joking, in a marriage ceremony, in earning one's livelihood, when one's life is in danger, in protecting cows in Brahmanical culture, or in protecting an enemy, a person from an enemy's hand. In these times, according to Shukracharya anyway, Falsity is never condemned. Well, Bali thinks about this for a few minutes and says, 
How can I behave like an ordinary cheater, especially towards a Brahmin? There's nothing worse than untruthfulness because of this. The Earth Mother once said that I can bear any heavy thing except a person who is a liar. Well, I, Bali, do not fear hell, poverty, an ocean of distress, loss of my position, or even death itself, as much as I fear cheating a Brahmin. You can also see that all the material pleasures of this world are certainly separated from their possessor at death, and therefore if Vamanadeva is not satisfied by the gifts I have offered, well, why not please him with the riches one is destined to lose at death anyway? Many men have laid down their lives on the battlefield, being unafraid of fighting, but rarely has one gotten the chance to give his accumulated wealth faithfully to a saintly person who creates holy places, and by giving charity, a benevolent and merciful person undoubtedly becomes even more auspicious. So Bali goes on to say that even if this dwarf, known as Vamana, is Lord Vishnu himself, clearly has come in disguise because he is afraid of me, Bali, and ultimately he may kill me or I may kill him. Well, Shukracharya was certainly not pleased at all that his student was failing to obey him, and as these cranky old rishis sometimes do, he cursed Bali that he would lose all his possessions, which seems like what was going to happen anyway, but Bali just smiled. Vamana changed his form to Vishnu, and then started to increase in size until everything in the universe was within him, including the earth, the planetary systems, the sky, the directions, the various holes in the universe, the seas, the oceans, the birds, the beasts, human beings, the gods, and the great saintly persons. So with his first step, he covered the entire earth. His body filled the sky, and all the directions were covered by his arms. With his second step, he covered the lokas, the heavens, but no place remained for his third step. Well, Bali's followers were watching and could tell that this was not going to work out so well for their master. And they observed that because Bali honored Brahmins and performed yagyas, that because of his position in performing yagyas, he had lost the power to punish and could not speak lies. So these followers, these demon followers of Bali, decided to attack Vishnu, whom they referred to as the king of the cheaters. But all of Vishnu's friends started to fight them, and Bali, knowing that he would lose, asked them to stop. He explained by saying the supreme factor of time, which represents God himself, was previously in our favor and not in favor of the gods, but now that same time factor is against us. No one can surpass or overpower time with worldly power, by the counsel of ministers, by intelligence, by diplomacy, by fortresses, by mystical mantras, by drugs, by herbs, or any other means, time always wins. So Garuda, Vishnu's eagle, flew down and tied up Bali, and Vishnu spoke with him, saying, Bali, you promised me three steps of land, and with two steps I have covered all of earth and the heavens. Because you promised me more than you can deliver, I must confine you in the hellish worlds for some time. And this is in keeping with the order of Shukracharya, your own guru. Well, apparently Bali wasn't really too worried because he calmly said in reply, 
If you think that my promise has become false, I certainly want to rectify matters to make it truthful. Therefore, please place your third footstep on my head. You act for our best welfare by posing as if to be our enemy. Because demons like us always aspire for a position of false prestige, by chastising us you give us the eyes by which to see the right path. Many demons who are continuously inimical toward you finally achieve the perfection of great mystic yogis. So on hearing this, Bali's wife asked Vishnu for mercy. And after a little bit, she was joined by Brahma, the creator, who said, this man has been sufficiently punished, for you've taken everything. Now you can release him. Without hesitation, Bali has offered his land, the plants, everything that he's earned, including even his own body. By offering even water, newly grown grass, or flower buds at your lotus feet, those who maintain no mental duplicity can achieve the most exalted position within the spiritual world. This Bali, completely without duplicity, has now offered everything in the three worlds. How can he deserve to suffer from arrest and punishment? Well, Vamana Deva said, with a twinkle in his eye, My dear Brahma, because of his material success, a person becomes foolish and full of ego, and thus he has no respect or humility for anyone, particularly me. To such a person, I, Vishnu, show special favor by first taking away all his possessions. Vamanadeva continues, Now because of his great sincerity, Bali will become Indra in the next major period of time, and until then he'll live on the planet Sutala, free from mental and bodily miseries, without fatigue, dizziness, defeat, and any other disturbance. I shall always be with him, and I will give him protection. Well, Bali says, the undeserved mercy that you have shown to me, a fallen demon, was never achieved even by the gods or the leaders of the various planets, and I am truly blessed. And Bali, who was a wise and generous ruler, asked to be allowed to visit his kingdom once a year, a request which Vishnu readily assented to. Well, as it turns out, Bali's kingdom was where we think today of as being Kerala, on the southwestern coast of India, and he is still honored with a 10-day festival in the springtime called Onam. So when you go to a temple, you'll usually see the Vamana incarnation of Vishnu with one leg lifted absolutely straight up and the other one standing on Bali's head. Imagery of Vamana also tends to show Vishnu as a dwarf holding the water pot that Brahma gave him and the umbrella, which was a gift from Indra. And this leads me to an announcement of a new feature of this netcast. If you go to the puja.net site, P-U-J-A dot N-E-T, you will see at the bottom of the left-hand column a place to sign up to receive a netcast newsletter. All you need to do is enter your email address and press the button. And by doing so, you'll be able to receive a full uh, notification when a new netcast is released. And here's where it gets cool. Supporting material for each episode. For example, with this episode, I can send out a few images of Vamanadeva and Bali, as well as a link to descriptions and explanations of the Onam Festival. And when possible, I plan to include text of mantras appropriate to the special netcast. So let's listen to a couple of chanting selections. First, a Varaha mantra that's just beautifully sung. 
It's a little bit long at about 10 minutes, but very pretty. Next, some chanting uh, in a traditional manner of a Jupiter Puja, because these days in the Vedic system of astrology called Jyotish, Jupiter is moving from Tula, Libra, to Vrishchika, Scorpio, where he will be for the next 12 months. Well, that's it for this week. Uh, thanks very much for listening. We'll see you next time. My next netcast will be posted on Sunday afternoons, which will be my schedule for the foreseeable future. Take care. Tasya Yegna Varahaya Vishnu Ramita Tejasaha Pranamam Epikulvanti Teshamapinamo Namaha Pranamau ye pikurvanti, Teshama 
अथ बृहस्पति आराधन ओं बृहस्पते अतिदर्हो अर्ह अजुमद्विभाति कर्तुमजने यदेद यच्छवसत्त प्रजात तदस्मासु द्रविडं देहि चित्रं ब्रह्मजग्यानं ब्रधमंबुरस्ताद्विसेमतस्सुरुचो वेनावह च बुध्रियावपमा अस्य विष्टासतस्चयो निमसतस्च विवह इंद्रंबो विस्वतस्परिहवामहे जने एभ्यह अस्माकमस्तु केवलह ब्रहस्पतिग्रहदेवताम् आसनम् समर्पयामि नवरत्नखचिददिव्यसिम्हासनम् समर्पयामि पादयोः पाद्यम् समर्पयामि हस्तयोः अर्घ्यम् समर्पयामि मुखे आचमनीयम् समर्पयामि उपजारिकस्नानम् समर्पयामि वस्त्रम् समर्पयामि उपवीतम् समर्पयामि परिमलस्त्री चंदनम् समर्पयामि अलंकरणार्धम् अक्षताम् समर्पयामि पुष्पमालिकाम् समर्पयामि 
ಕೀರ್ತಿಪುಷ್ಪೈಪೂಜೆಯಾಮಿ ಬೃಹಸ್ಪತಿ ಅಷ್ಟೋತ್ತರಶತನಾಮಿ ಓಂ ಗುರವೇ ನಮಃ ಓಂ ಗುಣವರಾಯ ನಮಃ ಓಂ ಗೋತ್ರೇ ನಮಃ ಓಂ ಗೋಚರಾಯ ನಮಃ ಓಂ ಗೋಪತಿಪ್ರಿಯಾಯ ನಮಃ ಓಂ ಗುಣಿನೇ ನಮಃ ಓಂ ಗುಣವತಾಂತ್ರೇಷ್ಠಾಯ ನಮಃ ಓಂ ಗುರೂಣಾಂ ಗುರವೇ ನಮಃ ಓಂ ಅವ್ಯಯಾಯ ನಮಃ ಓಂ ಜೇತ್ರೇ ನಮಃ ಓಂ ಜಯಂತಾಯ ನಮಃ ಓಂ ಜಯದಾಯ ನಮಃ ಓಂ ಜೀವಾಯ ನಮಃ ಓಂ ಅನಂತಾಯ ನಮಃ ಓಂ ಜಯಾವಹಾಯ ನಮಃ ಓಂ ಆಂಗೀರಸಾಯ ನಮಃ ಓಂ ಅಧ್ವರಾಸಕ್ತಾಯ ನಮಃ ಓಂ ವಿಭಿತ್ತಾಯ ನಮಃ ಓಂ ಅಧ್ವರಕೃತೇ ನಮಃ ಓಂ ಪರಾಯ ನಮಃ ಓಂ ವಾಚಸ್ಪತಯೇ ನಮಃ ಓಂ ವಸಿನೇ ನಮಃ ಓಂ ವಸ್ಯಾಯ ನಮಃ ಓಂ ವರಿಷ್ಠಾಯ ನಮಃ ಓಂ ವಾಗ್ವಿಚಕ್ಷಣಾಯ ನಮಃ ಓಂ ಚಿತ್ತಶುದ್ಧಿಕರಾಯ ನಮಃ ಓಂ ಶ್ರೀಮತೇ ನಮಃ ಓಂ ಚೈತ್ರಾಯ ನಮಃ ಓಂ ಚಿತ್ರಶಿಖಂಡಿಜಾಯ ನಮಃ ಓಂ ಬೃಹದ್ರಧಾಯ ನಮಃ ಓಂ ಬೃಹದ್ಭಾನವೇ ನಮಃ ಓಂ ಬೃಹಸ್ಪತಯೇ ನಮಃ ಓಂ ಅಭೀಷ್ಟದಾಯ ನಮಃ ಓಂ ಸುರಾಚಾರ್ಯಾಯ ನಮಃ ಓಂ ಸುರಾರಾಧ್ಯಾಯ ನಮಃ ಓಂ ಗೀರ್ವಾಣಪೋಷಕಾಯ ನಮಃ ಓಂ ಧನ್ಯಾಯ ನಮಃ ಓಂ ಗೀಷ್ಪತಯೇ ನಮಃ ಓಂ ಗಿರೀಶಾಯ ನಮಃ ಓಂ ಅನಘಾಯ ನಮಃ ಓಂ ಧೀವರಾಯ ನಮಃ ಓಂ ಧೀಷಣಾಯ ನಮಃ ಓಂ ದಿವ್ಯಭೂಷಣಾಯ ನಮಃ ಓಂ ದೇವಪೂಜಿತಾಯ ನಮಃ ಓಂ ಧನುರ್ಧರಾಯ ನಮಃ ಓಂ ದೈತ್ಯಹಂತ್ರೇ ನಮಃ ಓಂ ದಯಾಸಾರಾಯ ನಮಃ ಓಂ ದಯಾಕರಾಯ ನಮಃ ಓಂ ದಾರಿದ್ರ್ಯನಾಶನಾಯ ನಮಃ ಓಂ ಧನ್ಯಾಯ ನಮಃ ಓಂ ದಕ್ಷಿಣಾಯನ ಸಂಭವಾಯ ನಮಃ ಓಂ ಧನುರ್ಮಾಸಾಧೀಶಾಯ ನಮಃ ಓಂ ದೇವಾಯ ನಮಃ ಓಂ ಧನುರ್ಬಾಣಧರಾಯ ನಮಃ ಓಂ ಹರಯೇ ನಮಃ ಓಂ ಸಿಂಧುದೇಶಾಧಿಪಾಯ ನಮಃ ಓಂ ಭೀಮತೇ ನಮಃ ಓಂ ಸ್ವರ್ಣವರ್ಣಾಯ ನಮಃ ಓಂ ಚತುರ್ಭುಜಾಯ ನಮಃ ಓಂ ಹೇಮಾಂಗದಾಯ ನಮಃ ಓಂ ಹೇಮವಪುಷೇ ನಮಃ ಓಂ ಹೇಮಭೂಷಣಭೂಷಿತಾಯ ನಮಃ ಓಂ ಪುಣ್ಯನಾಥಾಯ ನಮಃ ಓಂ ಪುಣ್ಯರಾಗಮಣಿಮಂಡಿತಮಂಡಿತಾಯ ನಮಃ ಓಂ ಕಾಶಪುಷ್ಪಸಮಾರಭಾಯ ನಮಃ ಓಂ ಕಲಿದೋಷನಿವಾರಕಾಯ ನಮಃ ಓಂ ಇಂದ್ರಾಧಿದೇವಾಯ ನಮಃ ಓಂ ದೇವೇಶಾಯ ನಮಃ ಓಂ ದೇವತಾಭೀಷ್ಟದಾಯಕಾಯ ನಮಃ ಓಂ ಅಸಮಾನಬಲಾಯ ನಮಃ ಓಂ ಸತ್ವಗುಣಸಮೃದ್ಧಿಭಾಸುರಾಯ ನಮಃ ಓಂ ಭೂಸುರಾಭೀಷ್ಟಾಯ ನಮಃ ಓಂ ಭೂರಿಯಸೇ ನಮಃ ಓಂ ಪುಣ್ಯವಿವರ್ಧನಾಯ ನಮಃ ಓಂ ಧರ್ಮೂಪಾಯ ನಮಃ ಓಂ ಧನಾಧ್ಯಕ್ಷಾಯ ನಮಃ ಓಂ ಧನದಾಯ ನಮಃ ಓಂ ಧರ್ಮಪಾಲನಾಯ ನಮಃ ಓಂ ಸರ್ವೇದಾರ್ಥತತ್ವಜ್ಞಾಯ ನಮಃ ಓಂ ಸರ್ವಾಪದ್ವಿನಿವಾರಕಾಯ ನಮಃ ಓಂ ಸರ್ವಾಪಾಪ್ರಶಮನಾಯ ನಮಃ ಓಂ ಸ್ವಮತಾನುಗತಾಮರಾಯ ನಮಃ ಓಂ ಋಗ್ವೇದಾರಗಾಯ ನಮಃ ಓಂ ಸದಾನಂದಾಯ ನಮಃ ಓಂ ಸತ್ಯಸಂಧಾಯ ನಮಃ ಓಂ ವಿಶ್ವಾತ್ಮನೇ ನಮಃ ಓಂ ವಿಶ್ವಕರ್ತ್ರೇ ನಮಃ 
ಓಂ ವಿಸ್ತಯೋ ನಯೇ ನಮಃ ಓಂ ಅಯೋನಿಜಾಯ ನಮಃ ಓಂ ಭೂರ್ಭುವಾಯ ನಮಃ ಓಂ ಧನರಾತ್ರೇ ನಮಃ ಓಂ ಭರ್ತ್ರೇ ನಮಃ ಓಂ ಜೀವಾಯ ನಮಃ ಓಂ ಮಹಾಬಲಾಯ ನಮಃ ಓಂ ಬೃಹಸ್ಪತಯೇ ನಮಃ ಓಂ ಕಾಶ್ಯಪೇಯ ನಮಃ ಓಂ ದಯಾವತೇ ನಮಃ ಓಂ ಶುಭಲಕ್ಷಣಾಯ ನಮಃ ಓಂ ಅಭೀಷ್ಟಫಲದಾಯ ನಮಃ ಓಂ ಶ್ರೀಮತೇ ನಮಃ ಓಂ ಶುಭಗ್ರಹಾಯ ನಮಃ ಓಂ ಬೃಹಸ್ಪತಯೇ ನಮಃ ಓಂ ಸುರಾಚಾರ್ಯಾಯ ನಮಃ ಓಂ ದೇವಾಸುರಸುಪೂಜಿತ ನಮಃ ಓಂ ಆಚಾರ್ಯಾಯ ನಮಃ ಓಂ ದಾನವಾರಯೇ ನಮಃ ಓಂ ಸುರಮಂದ್ರಣೇ ನಮಃ ಓಂ ಪುರೋಹಿತಾಯ ನಮಃ ಓಂ ಕಾಲಜ್ಞಾಯ ನಮಃ ಓಂ ಕಾಲಋಗ್ವರೇತ್ರೇ ನಮಃ ಓಂ ಚಿತ್ತಗಾಯ ನಮಃ ಓಂ ಪ್ರಜಾಪತಯೇ ನಮಃ ಓಂ ವಿಷ್ಣವೇ ನಮಃ ಓಂ ಕೃಷ್ಣಾಯ ನಮಃ ಓಂ ಸೂಕ್ಷ್ಮಾಯ ನಮಃ ಓಂ ಪ್ರತಿದೇವೋಜ್ವಲಗ್ರಹಾಯ ನಮಃ ಓಂ ಬೃಹಸ್ಪತಯೇ ನಮಃ ಬೃಹಸ್ಪತಿಗ್ರಹದೇವತಾಭ್ಯೋ ನಮಃ ನಾನಾವಿಧ ಪರಿಮಳಪತ್ರಪುಷ್ಪಾಕ್ಷತಾಂಜಲಿಂ ಸಮರ್ಪಯಾಮಿ ಧೂಪಮಾಗ್ರಾಪಯಾಮಿ ಸಾಕ್ಷಾತ್ ಪ್ರತ್ಯಕ್ಷ ಮಂಗಳದೀಪಂ ದರ್ಶಯಾಮಿ ನೈವೇದ್ಯಂ ಸಮರ್ಪಯಾಮಿ ತಾಂಬೂಲಂ ಸಮರ್ಪಯಾಮಿ ಕರ್ಪೂರ ಆನಂದ ನೀರಾಜನಂ ದರ್ಶಯಾಮಿ ಸುವರ್ಣ ದಿವ್ಯ ಮಂತ್ರಪುಷ್ಪಾಕ್ಷತಾಂಜಲಿಂ ಸಮರ್ಪಯಾಮಿ ರಕ್ಷಾಂಧಾರಯಾಮಿ ಮಮ ಬೃಹಸ್ಪತಿಗ್ರಹ ದೇವತಾ ಅನುಗ್ರಹ ಪ್ರಸಾದ ಫಲಸಿದ್ಧಿರಸ್ತು